Chapter One of Dread, A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dread, Chapter One The Mistress of Canama. Bills, Harry? yes dear me where are they there no here oh look what do you think of this scarf isn't it lovely yes miss nina beautiful but oh those bills yes well here goes here perhaps in this box no that's my opera hat by the by what do you think of that isn't that bunch of silver wheat lovely stop a bit you shall see it on me and with these words the slight little figure sprang up as if it had wings and humming a waltzing tune skimmed across the room to a looking-glass and placed the jaunty little cap on the gay little head and then turning a pirouette on one toe said there now there now ah harry ah mankind generally the wisest of you have been made fools of by just such dancing glittering fluttering little assortments of curls pendants streamers eyes cheeks and dimples the little figure scarce the height of the venus rounded as that of an infant was shown to advantage by a coquettish morning dress of buff muslin which fluttered open in front to display the embroidered skirt and trim little mouse of a slipper the face was one of those provoking ones which set criticism at defiance the hair waving curling dancing hither and thither seemed to have a wild laughing grace of its own the brown eyes twinkled like the pendants of a chandelier the little wicked nose which bore the forbidden upward curve seemed to assert its right to do so with a saucy freedom and the pendants of multiplied brilliance that twinkled in her ears and the nodding wreath of silver wheat that set off her opera hat seemed alive with mischief and motion well what do you think said a lively imperative voice just the kind of voice that you might have expected from the figure the young man to whom this question was addressed was a well-dressed gentlemanly person of about thirty-five with dark complexion and hair and deep full blue eyes there was something marked and peculiar in the square high forehead and the finely formed features which indicated talent and ability and the blue eyes had a depth and strength of color that might cause them at first glance to appear black the face with its strongly marked expression of honesty and sense had about it many careworn and thoughtful lines he looked at the little defiant fay for a moment with an air of the most entire deference and admiration then a heavy shadow crossed his face and he answered abstractedly yes miss nina everything you wear becomes pretty and that is perfectly charming isn't it now harry i thought you would think so you see it's my own idea you ought to have seen what a thing it was when i first saw it in madame leblanche's window there was a great hot-looking feather on it and two or three horrid bows i had them out in a twinkling and got this wheat in which shakes so you know it's perfectly lovely well do you believe the very night i wore it to the opera i got engaged engaged miss nina engaged yes to be sure why not it seems to me that's a very serious thing miss nina 
serious ha ha said the little beauty seating herself on one arm of the sofa and shaking the glittering hat back from her eyes well i fancy it was to him at least i made him serious i can tell you but is this true miss nina are you really engaged yes to be sure i am to three gentlemen and going to stay so till i find which i like best maybe you know i shan't like any of them engaged to three gentlemen miss nina to be sure can't you understand english harry i am now fact miss nina is that right right why not i don't know which to take i positively don't so i took them all on trial you know pray miss nina tell me who they are well there's mr carson he's a rich old bachelor horridly polite one of those little bobbing men that always have such shiny dickies and collars and such bright boots and such tight straps and he's rich and perfectly wild about me he wouldn't take no for an answer you know so i just said yes to have a little quiet besides he is very convenient about the opera and concerts and such things well and the next well the next is george emmons he's one of your pink and white men you know who look like cream candy as if they were good to eat he's a lawyer of a good family thought a good deal of and all that well really they say he has talents i'm no judge i know he always bores me to death asking me if i have read this or that marking places in books that i never read he's your sentimental sort writes the most romantic notes on pink paper and all that sort of thing and the third well you see i don't like him a bit i'm sure i don't he's a hateful creature he isn't handsome he's proud as lucifer and i'm sure i don't know how he got me to be engaged it was a kind of accident he's real good though too good for me that's a fact but then i'm afraid of him a little and his name well his name is clayton mr edward clayton at your service he's one of your high and mighty people with such deep-set eyes eyes that look as if they were in a cave and such black hair and his eyes have a desperate sort of sad look sometimes quite byronic he's tall and rather loose-jointed has beautiful teeth his mouth too is well when he smiles sometimes it really is quite fascinating and then he's so different from other gentlemen he's kind but he don't care how he dresses and wears the most horrid shoes and then he isn't polite he won't jump you know to pick up your thread or scissors and sometimes he'll just get into a brown study and let you stand ten minutes before he thinks to give you a chair and all such provoking things he isn't a bit of a ladies man well consequence is as my lord won't court the girls the girls all court my lord that's the way you know and they seem to think it's a feather in their cap to get attention from him because you know he's horrid sensible so you see that just set me out to see what i could do with him well you see i wouldn't court him and i plagued him and laughed at him and spited him and got him gloriously wroth and he said some spiteful things about me and then i said some more about him and we had a real up-and-down quarrel and then i took a penitent turn you know and just went gracefully down into the valley of humiliation as we witches can and it took wonderfully 
brought my lord on to his knees before he knew what he was doing well really i don't know what was the matter just then but he spoke so earnest and strong that actually he got me to crying hateful creature and i promised all sorts of things you know said altogether more than we'll bear thinking of and are you corresponding with all these lovers miss nina yes isn't it fun their letters you know can't speak if they could when they come rustling together in the bag wouldn't there be a muss miss nina i think you have given your heart to this last one oh nonsense harry haven't got any heart don't care two pins for any of them all i want is to have a good time as to love and all that i don't believe i could love any of them i should be tired to death of any of em in six weeks i've never liked anything that long miss nina you must excuse me but i want to ask again is it right to trifle with the feelings of gentlemen in this way why not isn't all fair in war don't they trifle with us girls every chance they get and sit up so pompous in their rooms and smoke cigars and talk us over as if they only had to put out their finger and say come here to get any of us i tell you it's fun to bring them down now there's that horrid george emmons i tell you if he didn't flirt all winter with mary stevens and got everybody to laughing about her it was so evident you see that she liked him and she couldn't help showing it poor little thing and then my lord would settle his collar and say he hadn't quite made up his mind to take her and all that well i haven't made up my mind to take him either and so poor emma is avenged as to the old batch that smooth dicky man you see he can't be hurt for his heart is rubbed as smooth and hard as his dicky with falling in love and out again he's been turned off by three girls now and his shoes squeak as brisk as ever and he's just as jolly you see he didn't used to be so rich lately he's come into splendid property so if i don't take him poor man there are enough that would be glad of him well then but as to that other one what my lord lofty oh he wants humbling it wouldn't hurt him in the least to be put down a little he's good too and afflictions always improve good people i believe i was made for a means of grace to em all miss nina what if all three of them should come at once or even two of them what a droll idea wouldn't it be funny just to think of it what a commotion what a scene it would really be vastly entertaining now miss nina i want to speak as a friend no you shan't it is just what people say when they are going to say something disagreeable i told clayton once for all that i wouldn't have him speak as a friend to me pray how does he take all this take it why just as he must he cares a great deal more for me than i do for him here a slight little sigh escaped the fair speaker and i think it fun to shock him you know he is one of the fatherly sort who is always advising young girls let it be understood that his standard for female character is wonderfully high and all that and then i think of his being tripped up before me <laughs> it is too funny the little sprite here took off her opera hat and commenced waltzing a few steps and stopping mid-whirl exclaiming oh do you know we girls have been trying to learn the chachucha and i've got some castanets let me see where are they 
and with this she proceeded to upset the trunk from which flew a meteoric shower of bracelets billy doos french grammars drawing pencils interspersed with confectionery of various descriptions and all the etceteras of a schoolgirl's depository there upon my word there are the bills you were asking for there take them throwing a package of papers at the young man take them can you catch ah miss nina these do not appear to be bills oh bless me those are love letters then the bills are somewhere and the little hands went pawing among the heap making the fanciful collection fly in every direction over the carpet ah i believe now in this bonbon box i did put them take care of your head harry and with the word the gilded missile flew from the little hand and opening on the way showered harry with a profusion of crumpled papers now you've got them all except one that i used for curl papers the other night oh don't look so sober about it indeed i kept the pieces here they are and now don't you say harry don't you tell me that i never saved my bills you don't know how particular i have been and what trouble i have taken but there there's a letter clayton wrote to me one time when we had a quarrel just a specimen of that creature pray tell us about it miss nina said the young man with his eyes fixed admiringly on the little person while he was smoothing and arranging the crumpled documents why you see it was just this way you know these men how provoking they are they'll go and read all sorts of books no matter what they read and then they are so dreadfully particular about us girls do you know harry this always made me angry well so you see one evening sophie elliot quoted some poetry from don juan i never read it but it seems folks call it a bad book and my lord clayton immediately fixed his eyes upon her in such an appalling way and says have you read don juan miss elliot then you know as girls always do in such cases she blushed and stammered and said her brother had read some extracts from it to her i was vexed and said and pray what's the harm if she did read it i mean to read it the very first chance i get oh everybody looked so shocked why dear me if i had said i was going to commit murder clayton could not have looked more concerned so he put on that very edifying air of his and said miss nina i trust as your friend that you will not read that book i should lose all respect for a lady friend who had read that have you read it mr clayton said i yes miss nina he said quite piously what makes you read such bad books said i very innocently then there followed a general fuss and talk and the gentlemen you know who would not have their wives or their sisters read anything naughty for the world they wanted us all to be like snowflakes and all that and they were quite high telling they wouldn't marry this and they wouldn't marry that till at last i made them a curtsy and said gentlemen we ladies are infinitely obliged to you but we don't intend to marry people that read naughty books either of course you know snowflakes don't like smut now i really didn't mean anything by it except to put down these men and stand up for my sex but clayton took it in real earnest he grew red and grew pale and was just as angry as he could be well the quarrel raged about three days then do you know i made him give up and own that he was in the wrong there i think he was too don't you don't you think men ought to be as good as we are anyway 
Miss Nina, I should think you would be afraid to express yourself so positively. Oh, if I care to sue for any of them, perhaps I should. But there isn't one of the train that I would give that for, she said, flirting a shower of peanut shells into the air. Yes, but Miss Nina, sometime or other you must marry somebody. You need somebody to take care of the property and place. Oh, that's it, is it? You're tired of keeping accounts, are you, with me to spend the money? Well, I don't wonder. How I pity anybody that keeps accounts. Isn't it horrid, Harry? Those awful books. Do you know that Madame Ardain set out that we girls should keep account of our expenses? I just tried it two weeks. I had a headache and weak eyes, and actually it nearly ruined my constitution. Somehow or other, they gave it up. It gave them so much trouble. And what's the use? When money's spent, it's spent. And keeping accounts ever so strict won't get it back. I'm very careful about my expenses. I never get anything that I can do without. For instance, said Harry rather roguishly, this bill of one hundred dollars for confectionery. Well, you know how it is, Harry. It's so horrid to have to study. Girls must have something. And you know, I didn't get it all for myself. I gave it round to all the girls. Then they used to ask me for it, and I couldn't refuse. And so it went. I didn't presume to comment, Miss Nina. Ah, what have we here? Madame Lecarte, four hundred and fifty dollars? Oh, Harry, that horrid Madame Lecarte. You never saw anything like her. Positively, it is not my fault. She puts down things I never got. I know she does. Nothing in the world but because she is from Paris. Everybody is complaining of her, but then nobody gets anything anywhere else. So what can one do, you know? I assure you, Harry, I am economical. The young man who had been summing up the accounts now burst out into such a hearty laugh as somewhat disconcerted the fair rhetorician. She colored to her temples. Harry, now for shame. Positively, you aren't respectful. Oh, Miss Nina, on my knees, I beg pardon, still continuing to laugh. But indeed, you must excuse me. I'm positively delighted to hear of your economy, Miss Nina. Well, now, Harry, you may look at the bills and see. Haven't I ripped up all my silk dresses and had them colored over just to economize? You can see the dyer's bill there. And Madame Carr, too, told me she always expected to turn my dresses twice at least. Oh, yes, I have been very economical. I have heard of old dresses turned costing more than new ones, Miss Nina. Oh, nonsense, Harry. What should you know of girls' things? But I'll tell you one thing I've got, Harry, and that is a gold watch for you. There it is, throwing a case carelessly towards him, and there's a silk dress for your wife, throwing him a little parcel. I have sense enough to know what a good fellow you are, at any rate. I couldn't go on as I do if you didn't rack your poor head fifty ways to keep things going straight here at home for me. A host of conflicting emotions seemed to cross the young man's face, like a shadow of clouds over a field, as he silently undid the packages. His hands trembled, his lips quivered, but he said nothing. "'Come, Harry, don't this suit you? I thought it would.' "'Miss Nina, you are too kind.' "'No, I'm not, Harry. I'm a selfish little concern. That's a fact,' she said, turning away, and pretending not to see the feeling which agitated him. 
but harry wasn't it droll this morning when all our people came up to get their presents there was aunt sue and aunt tyke and aunt kate each one got a new sack pattern in which they are going to make up the prints i brought them in about two days our place will be flaming with aprons and sacks and did you see aunt rose in that pink bonnet with the flowers Pfft, you could see every tooth in her head of course now they'll be taken with a very pious streak and go to some camp meeting or other to show their finery why don't you laugh harry i do don't i miss nina you only laugh on your face you don't laugh down deep what's the matter i don't believe it's good for you to read and study so much papa used to say that he didn't think it was good for she stopped checked by the expression on the face of her listener for servants miss nina your papa said i suppose with the quick tact of her sex nina perceived that she had struck some disagreeable chord in the mind of her faithful attendant and she hastened to change the subject in her careless rattling way why yes harry study is horrid for you or me either or anybody else except musty old people who don't know how to do anything else did ever anybody look out of doors such a pleasant day as this and want to study think of a bird studying now or a bee they don't study they live now i don't want to study i want to live so now harry if you'll just get the ponies and go in the woods i want to get some jessamines and spring beauties and wild honeysuckles and all the rest of the flowers that i used to get before i went away to school End of chapter 1 The Mistress of Canama